0: You are listening to America's Entrepreneur, the podcast designed to educate, entertain, and inspire you in your personal and professional journey. I'm your host, Aaron Spatz, and on the podcast, I interview entrepreneurs, industry experts, and other high achievers as they detail their personal and professional journeys in business. My goal is to glean their experiences into actionable insights that you can apply to your own journey. If you're new to the show, we've spoken with successful entrepreneurs, Grammy Award winning artists, best selling authors, chief executives, and other fascinating minds with unique experiences. We've covered topics such as how to achieve breakthrough in business, growing startups, effective leadership techniques, and much more. If you strive for continual self-improvement and enjoy fascinating and insightful conversation, hit the subscribe button. You'll love it here at America's Entrepreneur. Today's episode is brought to you by LocalVest. Military veterans need capital to take their companies, real estate deals, or funds to the next level. Raising capital requires trust. LocalVest connects veterans raising capital with the investors who want to support them. Be a part of the largest network of veteran focused investors. It's simple for issuers and investors to join. Sign up at localvest.com. Invest with veterans. Hey, thanks so much for tuning back into part two of this two-part interview that I did with Phil Toll. For those that are going to need to get caught up, maybe you didn't catch the first part of this, which I would highly encourage you to go back and listen to it. Absolutely awesome. Phil is the guy that has personally coached like several big names, whether they're coaches, NFL stars rock band so he's he has performance coach Tom Morillo from Rage Against the Machine Dick Vermeule, uh former Super Bowl winning head coach yeah, he's also really like brought to prominence when he was featured not really featured but he was part of the documentary some kind of monster for Metallica so he was the guy that came in and helped get Metallica back on track back when they were in the middle of a pretty tumultuous time. And so I've had the privilege of getting to know Phil, had him on the show. Part one was covering really taking me through really a coaching session, but in hopes that it would be helpful to you and that you're able to overlay some of my experiences and some of the points that Phil and I discuss. And he was incredibly gracious and generous and trying to give me credit for things that he really should be taking credit for, to be honest. But it was awesome. And so part two, I'm really excited to share with you because this is really a little bit more of his story. And Phil, being the humble and uh, modest guy that he is, he really would prefer that we stick to the part one stuff and less of the part two stuff, which you're about to listen to. So anyway, hope that you enjoy it. Would welcome, would love your feedback, and uh, thank you so much for listening.
1: You know, ask me some questions if you want or yeah, you know, if you want to, to turn, turn left it left turn I mean, around, I mean, yeah, but I, no, I, like,
0: but going back to your career, and I'd I'd read an interview that you'd done about like kind of really how you got your start, and and you know, like it came down to connections. I mean, because you'd you had been doing like it might be helpful for everybody who who really, maybe not be that familiar with you, but like help us all understand like where like where did you come from with all this stuff? How did you get started? And then like when like describe like your big break, and I and I and I know like and I and I don't mean that in the terms of like I'm I'm valuing other people above other people. What I'm saying is like I'm I think people are just genuinely curious, you know, curious about like well, wow, like how did how did he all of a sudden start consulting with some of these big, you know, some, some of these big names?
1: Okay, so look at first, first I want to just tag something. Okay, your courtesy is real. You're you're courteous. You're very courteous, and you're very respectful of me. Uh, I want to make sure that as you go forward in your life, with that you continue to retain that which you will—that's part of your nature. But I also want you to be consider that sometimes you're not as direct as you need to be. Okay. Okay. So jump my shit, or you know, like you know, like it's okay to ask me the question you want to ask me. Is there a way that you would reframe that question?
0: i um, probably what not. Do you I, would, I, I would. Say, I would I just you want to ask. ask you? Yeah, like what I want to ask you is. How did you get started in this? Like, okay. where where did it all begin for you? Like, why? Okay, so you, now he's going
1: to get, so what he's triggered in me by asking that question, which I really ple- appreciate, because I don't talk about this often. So here's what I'm going to do. Here's where I'm going to just go into my narrative the way I want to go into my narrative. It started when I was a little boy. I was the oldest of two kids, um, two sons, and uh, an, an, a, an intact four-person family that survived through Our parents' death, natural deaths, and stuff like that. A great younger brother, and the my younger brother had couldn't speak before he was four or five. And it's as an older child, there was a part of me that learned that my role in the family was to take care of, to to be an assistant to my mother, and to take care of my brother to some extent. So I began the helping professions, legitimately as as a little boy. As a little boy, our family used to take in. Um, uh, family members, like relatives, because, because family members needed help or something. So I also became a kind of a group therapist an assistant to my mother. I was mother's little helper, right? But in a, also that psychologically for me, be created a problem that I, for in some ways I learned to, to establish my ID, my identification with myself by how well I took care of other people. So I wasn't always necessarily taking care of myself in that in that place. So I had to kind of sort that out. Flash, fast forward now to to older, would be natural for me, given that core of my background, to say that I went into the helping profession because I loved helping people, right? When I, I so I started doing psychotherapy and I started, I, I, I was very interested in social work and I was, I worked with street gangs in Chicago and I did some stuff there that was, um. That was very meaty and substantive. but it wasn't quite enough. I wanted to get into the 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 psychology of human beings. and and so I um, I, I got a fellowship to a clinic, a mental health clinic in 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 Topeka, Kansas. Where is that, right? Topeka, Kansas, and where they have a, it was a big famous clinic, and I started learning psychology and mastering psychology. And then I went into private practice because I really liked doing family therapy, group therapy, individual therapy, that kind of thing. But it was still, that was part of my evolution. And then at 58, there was a part of me that was kind of like stalled out and stuck there. And I realized I was running one day. Jogging was, was uh, when my knees were all okay and I can't do that anymore. But when I was running, uh, I, I, w- I sort of asked the universe, like, so I, I had this idea. I wanted to coach. I wanted to be performance coach. I want to do mental coaching. I didn't know, but I was leaving psychotherapy and I was feeling awkward and stuck in that in that place and I was wrestling with that because it was it was it was feeling like I was really wasn't making a difference. there was something else for me. Remember, there are different passages, right? So you all will go through passages and there will be shifts. you will maintain probably the integrity of where you want to go there will not be necessarily over dramatic shifts but there will be fine time shifting that take place if you're honest with yourself and you're monitoring yourself as you go along. I spoke to the universe, if you will, this kind of was bizarre, but, but this is what I, 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 this is one of the things I don't talk about very much. So I'm running and I'm saying out loud, I'm saying, so what's the difference between psychotherapy, which was what I was doing for remember for years, 30 years, or whatever. What's the difference between psychotherapy and what I was calling performance coaching. And I actually heard a voice. Okay, don't check me into some rehab here, okay? So I heard a voice that said, you used to work with people's nightmares. Now you're working with their dreams. And even as I say it, I get chills. So that was a message to me, that the performance coaching was, a, was taking the mental health part of something, which I maintain to some extent, ter- therapy is bringing people from pain to absence of pain or bringing them back to even. I thought that psychology could be taking people of, on the different range of spectrum to a higher place. Not, not It's not about just being okay or feeling pain-free or whatever, because nobody's ever pain-free anyway. It's about what can I achieve at the highest level, right? So that's where I went with it. And then that launched what the the subsequent career that I'm in now. That was back in ninety-seven or so and, and then or ninety-five, I think it was. I had a I have had a lifetime, this is a long story. This is okay great, man. Okay. This great. Yeah, so when going. I, went, I went, okay, so back to when I was a kid and my dad taught me to read when the read through the sport pages in Los Angeles in the Los Angeles Times, and I became a, a devout Ram fan. Okay, this is bizarre, right? So I learned how to read. I, I, was, an, I was also a, a, a fan of the Angels before they, they were Angels. I know not so much of the Dodgers, but I and the Lakers have subsequently, so I'm an LA sports fan. But I was a Ram fan and really, and the Rams were moving. I was in Topeka, Kansas. Okay, we were in Topeka, Kansas, right? And the Rams were moving to St. Louis. I cold called, scared shitless, but I, I, I cold called. The new coach, Dick Vermeil. I call, or really, I call, or earlier I, I made a contact within the system, and then I called when when that guy was fired. I called Vermeil, and um, and had a moment of transformation, which led to and that that's another story. But it led to to me working with the Rams. Imagine that working with my favorite team, and and then getting a Super Bowl ring to boot, and then working some more. the The Rams led to uh, Tom Morello was. Uh, and Rage Against Machine was morphing into Audio Slave, um, and uh, Morello was a devout Ram fan. And I met him in St. Louis, and he, he was his record company was vice president of Sony uh, was Sony Records subsidiary. Dick Vermeil's son-in-law was some was the was the uh, vice president of Sony Records. The synchronicity of life when you get into the into the. The place of being taken, riding the wave and being as synchronous as you can. Most of which was me being yanked by some higher power. Quite frankly, I mean, I'd like to be think I'd like to think that I did all this shit myself, right? But no, it's that's too much egocentric, and it's not really true. I go from that the Rams then to Rage Against the Machine as they're breaking up and moving into an Audio Slave uh, and. Uh, I go into the the the, the Rams. Uh, go, Dick Vermeil goes to with the Chiefs. We spent five years together there. We, become, you know, he just got in the Hall of Fame, which is great. Uh, became his coach. He coached the teams, players, and coaches, and stuff like that. The Metallica management was the management of Rage Against the Machine. So they called management, saying Metallica is in trouble. They just had a a Playboy interview or something where they trashed each other. I was called in. Well, I called, uh, I I had met the management team because of the work with, with, as they were morphing from Rage Against the Machine. And they saw what I was able to do. And then that brought me Metallica. And then that brought me lots of stuff, including controversy and some, some things that were challenging there. No, all of which is, this is cathartic for me right now. So in other words, Spats is doing me a service, bringing awesome. me on board ostensibly to help you guys with something. And I'm, and I'm being therapeutized by the opportunity to, to, to share my story. So thank you. So that led to no. a whole bunch of other things, um, you know, Metallica, and, you know, um, the music industry uh, artists. I mean, I did, uh, a stint, a long stint with uh, Rascal Flats or Went over to Country. I, I, I never, I never was a great metal fan. that became a metal fan because I never was a great country fan. I mean, so that's a bulk of the story. Blessed, and blessed to share it with you. Uh, and Aaron, and thank you for that. Man. Thank you. No, what other follow up questions you have before I feel yeah. like I'm too arrogant,
0: arrogant here? No, no, you, you're not arrogant whatsoever, Phil. Like this is this is gold. I love it. I love I love getting to see you replay the excitement of <laughs> some of those moves <laughs> and you. some of those things. And thank I think you. I think it's I think it's well earned, man. Well, well deserved. I mean, you you've you've obviously you've done some great work, you know. So I like I think for me just genuine curiosity i'm like man what did you say to dick for when you got him on the phone man like what was well, that's that? a great oh, listen
1: that. that is a great great question because everybody is going to make that call everybody every one of you out there is going to have to face your fear the dream calls can you imagine for me the thought of working with my favorite team I mean, and and that isn't going to be your script. That isn't going to be your script necessarily. But your script is going to be your dream. Back to what we've said from the very beginning. Your dream is the most important part of this experience. And when you're pulled along, there are are mile posts that measure that. And there are sign posts that let you know whether you're heading in the direction or not. And that's when I was ballsy enough to call Vermil, make a cold call. What I did do was I did say, this was important. I did um, ask, I I got his late, I knew enough about him to know he was a a tireless worker. As a matter of fact, he left football for 14 years because he burned out. So when he came back finally to football, I knew he'd be working at night. So I was able to bypass the chain and get a call through him directly. I got his extension and he answered the phone. He answered the phone. I shit my pants. Okay, and that and that probably would too. <laughs> yeah, well, that's because we're on the on the precipice of something, right? And and it, it's what's more scary. Very important point here. Success is more scary than than failure. Okay, it really is, and we could go into that sometime. But the, yeah. so so I made the call, gathered myself. We, I, I, was smart enough to say. He said, "I'm so busy right now, Phil. I don't have a chance to talk with you about this. I really don't." And he said, "Call me back in a month when I get myself ready. Uh, when I, you know, because I'm, I'm just treading water right now." And I understood that. And I said to him, "Okay, but get out your book. I'm going to call you at four o'clock on the first day of your next." you know when you're when you're meeting when when you said it's okay that would be the first yep. day when he's calling his coaches in okay that led to me that the, there's some intermediary story but the call but the way I what I what I was able to do in that moment was to divert my fear into a place of of recognizing I needed to responsibly set something up then when we then events occurred synchronous events happenings coincidences no that led me to, to in between now and then, between that three, there was a three-way lag, for me to say to him, invite me in. And he invited me in to speak to this team of new coaches, 20 new coaches, to launch the season. And there are many other pieces of that that were more frightening and scary than that one was. But that, so you never know when the move is the move that will make the difference. There is never, there's never a play in what's the most important play in a game. The next one, yeah. the present one, the yeah. present one, that's the, yeah. that's, the, that's, the, that's the answer. The moment that's occurring in your life right now as you're experiencing this program is the most important moment of your life. What are you going to do with that moment? What are you taking with you now that Aaron has charged you and charged me to do with
0: myself going forward? That's so good. That's so good. I mean, Phil, I I, I want to be respectful of your time because we uh, we booked we booked this for about an hour, and we're already we're already knocking on the on the one hour door here. But um, I really, I just just from the bottom of my heart, really do just want to thank you. I think this has been um, so incredible for me just to to one just to kind of get to see how you process things. I've loved getting um, just to kind of see how you've dissected bits of my own story. And I know that's going to be an inspiration for, for other people and how they can, how they can apply that. I love hearing the story and I, and I wish we had more time to cover that. Like I would love to, I'd love to spend more time, um, covering what you did with Dick and, and, and Tom and Rascal flats and, and, you know, and the guys at Metallica I would love to hear more about that. Um, and maybe, maybe we could, maybe we could line something up for the future to do a, do a part two or something
1: said, if he wants to, let me know. And, uh, I would welcome, um, responses from people. I hope to send, you know, communicate with Aaron, let him know how he's doing. Always do that. Remember, this is a, this is his, this is so important to his life and his career that, and the way that Aaron approaches his work, you can tell I'm experiencing it. You can tell how genuinely is about this podcast, how, how, how important it is that, he feels like he's having a positive impact on you. So if I may suggest that you offer ideas to him about things that you would like to have covered going forward. Also um, that you, uh, I'm sure he would welcome things that you would, you would like him to do better, differently and, and celebrate the things. It's very important for him to celebrate the things that he does really well and to be acknowledged. And there's nothing wrong with that. That helps inspire us all. Uh, I'm honored to uh, Beyond words, really. Well, that's because I've used so many words today, right? <laughs> but, but I'm grateful for the opportunity, and I'm and thankful that um, um, you all are a part of my life out there without me knowing it. And thank you for the opportunity, Aaron. Um, the one, the one other thing I would say is, you can see from our interaction, and it'll be, it will be interesting to find out how the audience reacts to it. You can see the, what it means for you to have byplay with your guests, which I'm sure you do a great job of. And do not be afraid of asking the hardest questions or the questions. Do not trust your, your – you're very smart. Trust yourself to ask the questions that you think your audience wants to hear, even if you, if you feel like the guest might be slightly uncomfortable. That's That's therapeutic
0: for the guest. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. Thank you. Well, then I'll, uh, and this is a great breaking point because then if, if this doesn't go anywhere, then I can cut this out. But I had a friend of mine jokingly ask me to ask you this question very serious question. Okay. James and Lars get a divorce. What happens with Robert and Kirk?
1: Kirk and Robert would um because of who they are, would pick up the pieces and do what they wanted to do with their in their lives. Um, there can't be a, there cannot be a Lars and James without a Kirk, and now Kirk and Robert. Robert, you know, if you can see the flow, even in the movie, I mean, a a movie is two hours and uh, you can only imagine two hours and 20 minutes of a movie with 2,000 hours or more of film. And the editing process of that was impossible. But the essence of it, you can see, I mean, obviously, the conflict and tension between Lars and James manifests itself as a a key point. And there were were moments where they were, you know, I am mean, not saying they were going to get, I don't think they, I, I never felt felt they were going to get a divorce, but they needed to collide because of their yeah. personalities. and They needed to work through. They couldn't have been able to, to function without Kirk being the kind of personality that allowed them to have a buffer. And actually, um, if you go back to the early stages of the, of, you know, the bassists inside inside the group. Yeah. Those people, all of those people, you know, the people that played the other roles are, are Jason Newell, Newstead. Jason Newstead was a, a key component of keeping them together. Yeah. So if they split, if they split the way the band, I don't know them enough now, now to know for sure because I'm not in direct contact, contact with them. But I have great confidence that Robert would find a way for him to carry
0: his life forward successfully, uh and Kirk would be doing the same, but Metallica yeah. would be gone, yeah, for sure, for sure no I mean it's a pretty pretty inspiring film you know for those that are Metallica fans, I think it's a great it's there's a it's a lot of insight i mean you you came into it at a super tumultuous time, I mean it was crazy, Jason just left, and you know James checks into rehab, he's gone you got Kirk and Lars there looking at each other and then, and then they start, you know, then they start the, you know, the, the audition process. And, you know, obviously Bob rock, loved Robert. It, it didn't come off that way initially, but you could tell he's, he's, he's listening to Robert just hammering away on the bass, And it's like, you know, like you've got a solid, solid bass <laughs> yeah, player, you know what I mean? You know? And so, but like, but what you said about Kirk real quick and then we'll, we'll stop. But what I thought, what I thought was, what, what I've appreciated about him, what I liked about him in that in in that film, is what I had suspected that he is like you know behind closed doors is that he is a bit of like the mediator, the moderator. He he tra- he's like because he's like come on guys like and he's a peacemaker.
1: Like, he's more of a, a Buddhist. Uh, you know he is a Buddhist, I think. And, and okay, so but the, just to tag this while we're thinking about it. The first three months of my work with them, I think it's maybe a little bit more than that were done off before the cameras rolled. Okay. So you you don't get the 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 you know that's one of the parts where you get the action picking up with the can when the the, the the cameras were brought in initially as a way to jumpstart their career because things were flagging and the therapy preempted that. I see. and so the what we get is a we don't get the full scope of something. But we'll talk about that another time.
0: Yeah, anyway, sure. Ben, all right. It's all good. Thank you, I my brother. Really, thank really you so appreciate, much. Appreciate, really you. appreciate yeah. you. Appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Rock out. All right, brother. <laughs> see you. Thanks for listening to America's Entrepreneur. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review or comment on your preferred social media platform. Share it out with friends, family, co-workers, others in your network. And of course, you can write me directly at aaron at boldmedia.us. That's aaron at boldmedia.us. Until next time.